All right, so everybody should have uh, an outline. It should say Resurrection Love on it. If it doesn't, you got the wrong outline. But anyway, and um, so I want to just talk, obviously, this is Easter, and we want to talk about the resurrection here today. And um, I just, I think it has a interesting uh, place in our discussion here today because of world events. And uh, I'll probably end on this as well, but I, I just believe that uh, not only are we in a place of change, uh, but we're in a place of positive change, especially with regard to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cause of the Lord on the earth. Whatever you think about politically, however you fall on that line, it's, there's something more happening. Nobody's covering it. They, de- they rarely do cover Jesus things until they happen. <laughs> but there's a revolution happening from the seats that I sit in right now. People have been reevaluating their lives, making movement toward God because He's been stability for them. And He's offered all kinds of wonderful things, and they're beginning to investigate the claims of Christ on a level we've never seen before. And this is not only in our country, but worldwide. And uh, so I, I hadn't meant to start this way, but I think I'll just start this way. Uh, yeah. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. Relatives that you thought would never come to the Lord are open. When the world gets in a place like this where it's uneven and uncertain, it's the time when Jesus does his best work because the calluses are off, we're reevaluating our life, the way we've been living it, and we're rethinking things. And in the middle of that transition where we get off balance, where many people are, Jesus is right there to stabilize and to finally reveal himself because people are open. It's the old pathways, the calluses we build up through life and the injuries and the routines of life that really keep us away from the, the Lord. There's a parable with regard to that, you know, and uh, and one of them is that we're just really, bottom line, we're just too busy. We're caught up in the affairs of life for God. And so we don't get the benefit of God, you know, uh, and the resurrection power of God in our personal relationships and our life and all of that. So can I just say to you that your friends and neighbors, maybe you yourself, are in a place of transition, will be this way for quite some time. And um, it's probably the biggest reason why God allowed this. By the way, God allowed this. The enemy struck. He's allowed it, but it's always for something good. And evidently, this has been loosed on the earth, but it's made everything uneven. And when that happens, that's a great place for people, just like you heard uh, Taylor mention in his life. He got uneven. He got uneasy. He got uncertain of his steps. And Jesus was there to prove to him, and he got something a lot better than his cage fighting and all the rest of it, right? <laughs> it's pretty funny that the guy that kicked you out of church is preaching that morning. That's, I kicked out of your school. <laughs> See, this is the season for Jesus to do that, that sort of stuff, right? You're going to feel lots of things like that are, are happening. You just watch and see. So as believers, if we know the Lord, it's just really important to watch for the resurrections in our own life. And I'm talking about new opportunity, <clears throat> new, new promotion. And I love that saying, things that we thought are breathing in life again, how we're dead are breathing in life again, because uh, what things that you thought were ended uh, can have a new beginning. It's like we get a big start over in a way. So uh, as uncomfortable as this season has been, it's been like the Lord, uh, how many know the ground feels uncomfortable when the plow goes through, <laughs> right? It gets all messed up, right? That's when the seed goes down. And so for you, not just about salvation, but other things, things that you thought weren't possible, things that you thought couldn't happen are possible now. 
more than ever before, because it's just a matter of your faith. What was covering your faith before was busyness and the worldliness and all that, and you weren't getting a very good return off of that, right? But Jesus always gives a good return. So now you're open for change. Take advantage of this time. Let Jesus work with you. Let him change your life. It may not be as dramatically as Taylor's life, but, uh, uh, but life will change. And this is an opportunity for more not less. More, not less. You just say that for me. More, not less. So all this time, of all the stealing of health and opportunity and things that are going on, we have been experiencing less. Limitations on our travel, limitations on our ability to do things in school, whatever. But now's the time for more. We're on the edge of more. We're on the edge of a major resurrection. And I, I don't say this for all people. I mean, I was nice that I saw people. I'm, and I just, I'm not totally weird, but I'm, I'm walking in Manjimé the other day, and I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, thank you for all these people are in this restaurant. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm even appreciating the customers that are in there, right? <laughs> and that all sneaking around with masks. They're actually enjoying their meal and having a good time. It was, it was really nice. But the changes we're about to see are far more profound than that. Ah, I haven't got to the sermon yet. All right, maybe this is the sermon, but um, I want to pray for something. I just, this is click. For you that would like to have a baby, this is a great time to have kids. And I say that to all of my children. <laughs> it's a great time to have kids. <laughs> so, I'm going to pray for them. You might not even be married yet, so if you need a husband or wife, we'll put that in the mix, but... I'm going to pray for new life, including children, lots of them. Man, I tell you, I walked through our new school, you know, that actually sprung up, you know, and I'm looking at that thing. I'm just so happy to just watch, see all the kids in there. And we're going to get about double what we have now next year. I never dreamed I'd have a school. That's another thing that popped up, sort of important. So, Lord, I just pray for children. I ask for new lives, new children, new babies, new marriages, new families. I pray this would be a season of great, incredible blessing and growth. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. And one of the best things that can happen to make a person rich is the addition of kids and grandkids. Amen. So uh, we had a proud dad. We just had a baby born in the church, and man, I tell you what. Uh, I've never seen a more proud dad. Where are you, proud dad? Are you still in here or not? Is the baby did you in yet? Uh, right there, right there. Is the baby still in here? Yeah, it's in the nursery. That was so cool dedicating that baby. That was so, so wonderful. Oh, my. That was awesome. I want to do more of that. All right. So, love and beauty surround the resurrection of Jesus. Before Jesus himself resurrected from the dead, you remember from the Bible, Jesus also raised others from the dead including this one story about a synagogue leader's daughter. And I want to just read this from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. When then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her 
so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And then we pick up down uh, verse 35 when he finally gets to the house. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and say, hey, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. This is a very good word for now. The world's full of fear. Don't be afraid, just believe. And, and believing means that you, 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 you get in this place mentally and emotionally and with your actions, uh, depending on God until he brings it forth, right? So in a sense, believing is seeing and seeing is believing. There's, they're all linked together because we do business with God with our faith. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in there where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, Talitha is an Aramaic term of endearment. It's related to a little word named lamb. It's like lamb. It's related to that word. So really you could say he was saying, little lamb, time to get up, time to get up. And I like that. When we die... Jesus is so wonderful. Sweetheart, hey buddy, time to get up. Time to get up. That's what it's like. You know, Jesus, sometimes we think of the resurrection as so impersonal. There's nothing more personal than your death, I would think. <laughs> but how about your resurrection? Hey buddy, sweetheart, time to get up. Maybe some of you lost loved ones uh, recently. We've had a number of people die of even things that weren't related to COVID. But think about them, what happened there. And that's what happened. God said, hey, buddy, get up. Time to wake up. Time to wake up. Is that what it's like when we die? Absolutely. It's not just impersonal cosmic force. It's our daddy calling us home. Time to come home. It's going to be okay. Wake up. The favorite prayer of Jews before they went to bed was, Into you I commit my spirit. And when they woke up, they prayed, I am grateful, King, living and eternal, for you have resurrected me from sleep. Great is your faithfulness. That gives us a little backdrop as we read Luke chapter 23. And this is uh, what happened at Jesus' death. Luke 23, verses 44. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had breathed, when he had said this, he breathed his last, the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. Surely this was a righteous man. Even this unbeliever, this centurion, can 
notice something was different about this. Jesus was just praying that prayer. All the Jews prayed before they went to sleep. He knew he was going to wake up three days later, and he did, right? That's why we're all here today. But this was not only rugged faith and endurance at the cross, but as I've been saying, it was also loving assurance. Even the centurion who witnesses his death realized this was something he hadn't seen before. It had a context. It had a texture. It, it was relational. He could see that something more was happening. He didn't know anything about Jesus, but he could see by the way he died something he couldn't put into words, but he understood something was going on. He saw there was confidence here. There was something connected to this man that uh, he had never seen before in a death. You know, Jesus wakes us from death, as I mentioned, and I, I'm hoping that a number of you have got a chance, and if you haven't, to read this book, Imagine Heaven. I'm telling you, this is one of the best books I've read in a long, long time. It's remarkable. Written by John Burke, and there's other books like this, but this one is maybe the most thorough I've ever seen and theologically completely sound and embraced by almost every theologian uh, that's you know, uh, worth his salt in the world. And it's this summary of weird things that have been happening in the world around us. So probably always have happened. It's just that the, maybe the season of communication has make it, made it more and more, uh, uh, made us more and more aware of it. But in this book, um, he just describes all of these near-death experiences where people get to the place where they, they die and uh, they actually come back. And, uh, and then and, and come to find out that this is a worldwide phenomenon. And, uh, and some have died for as long as 72 hours and come back. Uh, Don Piper did that and others. Um, and so it's very, very interesting. And so the story pretty much goes the same. A person at the peak of their pain, and, you know, in physical pain, end up leaving their body and actually hearing the, the physician pronounce their death. And, and then out of their body experiencing some things before they end up right into before God and before they even experience Jesus uh, or, or God. And sometimes it's the other way. We actually had a member of our church who died and actually went to hell. So you can go either direction, right? <laughs> but often the Lord, will, in these experiences we've seen, uh, will take us, take people, have t- take, we've, we've, there's evidence in this book of people being confronted with the Lord there and the experience they had. And often what the Lord gives them is this life review, this life review of what happened in their life and how they lived it. And by the way, the scripture tells us everybody is going to have a life review. You just don't want that life review while you're in the wrong place <laughs> because you don't have a chance to come back, right, in most circumstances. A few have had a grace from God and they've repented and turned. So it's a huge decision, but here's the key thing with regard to these experiences. They're almost always the same, this review, and also friends and relatives that precede us are there already, and they actually sometimes are in the experience, greeting us. People that we knew were Christians and so on, they're there too. So this new death, uh, this, this, these near-death experiences are quite remarkable and quite a read and... Um, uh, quite amazing, uh, really, uh, just to review. And uh, so when we think about death and our loved ones, we should have great hope. 
For Christians to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord, according to the Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 9, and, uh, and also the verses 1 Peter 3, 18. So the resurrection story teaches us that God restores us with tender love even when we are weak. And so as we read what happened here in John chapter 20 when Jesus uh, resurrected him, the first one to meet him was this Mary Magdalene. Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at all the stripes of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary, this is Mary Magdalene. She stood outside the tomb crying. Now this is the same Mary Magdalene that had demons cast out of her by Jesus and had followed him with that band of disciples. She'd actually been in a probably a spurious kind of lifestyle and the Lord had found her and she'd found the Lord and and he had actually cast demonic things out of her, and, um, and she just uh, was one of the supporters, one of the helpers of Jesus. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for, thinking he was the gardener? She said, well, sir, if you've carried him away, please tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go ahead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your God, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. And we know from other accounts they had a little bit of a hard time believing it, but they checked it out, found that he wasn't there, and then he appeared to them on that evening uh, to all the disciples, at least the main disciples. Now, when I read this, you know, I remember when I first read this in the Bible, I I thought how interesting, even when I was just barely alive in the Lord, we see this story of Jesus resurrecting from the dead. And this woman, what an odd thing. The woman, you know, you'd think it was the main guys or whatever, but he appears to this woman. And here's what she had going for her. She loved Jesus a lot. She loved him so much that you would think that if he touched her and it was against the, if he t- she touched him as against the rules that like she would be dead, like Ark of the Covenant, like Raiders of the Lost Ark where the eyeballs melt, that sort of thing, you know, wouldn't you? Th- <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I've watched entirely too many movies and TV, but still, you know, <laughs> I'm about as close to some of our people get <laughs> to understanding Jesus or God is the Ark of the Covenant, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and everything that happened there, you know. He's, she's touching the Son of God. 
And you'd think there would be like some penalty, like a force field or something. He says, I haven't yet ascended to the Father, <laughs> the main guy, creator of the universe, in charge of everything. <laughs> Matter of fact, if you want to know the truth, the world was created through Jesus. <laughs> he was there at creation. And she's touching him. And he says, Mary, uh, maybe you better not do that right now. I've got to go on, scurry on to the Father. <laughs> now, how is this formal, incredibly earth-shaking event the first person to see Jesus get away with this? Because Jesus loves. Jesus has rules. But Jesus loves. Scripture says love covers a multitude of sins. She loved much. Maybe that's the one why she was the first one. I, I don't know. And she couldn't help it. She just grabbed, you know, it was like suddenly there was no risen Son of God. There was just Jesus. But that's who he is to us. Maybe you don't have all your P's and Q's right. Maybe some things that keep you away from the Lord is you just maybe weren't raised in a church or, or maybe you, you know, you just don't know, you know, maybe you, you thought, well, I'm I, I just not even qualified to go to church. You should see my life. I, uh, or maybe you've been away from God a while, you know, and you don't know how to quite get in. You know what? It's not that complicated. It's just love Jesus. Just say, I want to know Jesus. That's it. When I do my Life in the Spirit class, which I'm going to be doing uh, this coming Wednesday, I do a series of weeks. And that Wednesday class I mentioned, it starts at 6.30, and at six, worship at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. And in the sanctuary, all I do is I tell new people about Jesus. Now, you don't have to be a brand new person, but I tell them about the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, and things like resurrection from the dead, and healing and power, which Jesus still does today. And I help people understand, and we do it simply, and we go through the scriptures, and then we have show and tell, where we teach people, actually, and I, I had the same thing happen to me, um, when I was, when I first came to Christ, uh, it was a wonderful thing, it was a terrifying thing, I, I remember I was a teenager standing in front of everybody, you know, and knees are trembling, you know, and got baptized and everything, and I, whew, I'm glad that was over, you know, that was like the most terrifying experience of my life, you know. And then I just began to learn to walk with the Lord, but I didn't really begin to walk with the Lord until I had a supernatural encounter with Him. And so that's what we talk about, because as we see these disciples later on, He says, you know, I want you to wait in Jerusalem because there's something else that has to happen. And uh, you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So that class is about the Spirit, having an encounter with God. And so we just talk about it, and it's incredibly simple. You know, we've watched entirely too much TV but God can be that complicated, if you like. He can do those things, creator of the universe and so on. But when he encounters us, it's like this beautiful picture. Talitha, little lamb, get up. And he's really gentle with us sometimes and when he deals with all of our lives. Most of the time it's like that. Sometimes a little hard-headed needs to help us a little bit. But for the most part. And so Mary shouldn't have been touching him. In that way. But see, this resurrection love, love surrounded the resurrection. Certainly it was great power. And I'm sure the whole world was stunned at the time. The Pharisees thought about it once or twice, those that killed him and so on. But nevertheless, it was a story of Jesus. She shouldn't have been touching him, but she did. And she got away with it because of love. And that's what this whole thing is about.
You can touch Jesus in love like that. Jesus settles our hearts, and then he sends us. One of our main jobs is to receive the Spirit, like I mentioned. Jesus forgives even the darkest unbelief. Sometimes we think, wow, man, I'm pretty, I've been pretty dark, you know? And uh, that was nice, Taylor. I didn't even, we didn't even know you were going to do that little deal. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know you were that dark. <laughs> Cage fighter? Are you kidding me? Well, I'm not going to pick a fight with you anymore. Stephen, my son, might like to do that, though. You should try it. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, verse 24, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. So he missed the first round. <laughs> so this gives you a little hint as where the disciples were. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Hey, by the way, come on over. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, oh my God. <laughs> That's what I would have said. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So this is where most of us find ourselves. I mean, in this age and time, by the way, there have been uh, rather amazing uh, uh, changes. I'm saying in the 21st century, we are seeing some really crazy things. I personally know about 10 people who either raised someone from the dead or have been raised from the dead themselves. Now, I never dreamed I would ever meet a person like that, even be close to it. But as the gospel is expanding into the areas of the world, uh, large swaths of human populations, you might not even know that. You might not know that there are areas, countries like India right now, that are absolutely on fire. Mass numbers of people coming to Christ in certain locations all across Africa, Asia. It's as if the gospel is on the border of India moving toward the Middle East. So powerful. And don't worry about little old China. I know some of you politically are having a really hard time with China and all this stuff. Don't worry about little old China. They have 150 million believers praying for their leaders. <clears throat> that regime eventually will crumble. It will have its. Uh, it will be a distant memory in the past, because actually prayer works, and these people are rabid believers. And they've been marginalized. They've been. They're in jail. They're in little holes in the ground. They're hidden away, but they are vibrant praying, as is much of the earth. And so what we're finding in these days, in these odd places of the earth, these highways and byways, increasingly the very stories of the Bible uh, detailed and manifested, but even magnified beyond what anybody could ever think. Everything you see in the Bible is coming to pass in these days. Resurrection stories, healing stories, the most dramatic things that you can imagine are happening on the earth today. Maybe you didn't know that, but I would like you to know that. And uh, I just, one of my favorite stories that we tell probably every Easter, I don't know, but I just, it just touches my heart because I got to know him personally. And he became a pastor afterward. And, uh, and his story is so funny and so hilarious. And half of you probably already know this story. But there's a brother in, in uh, Cambodia who was, who was uh, 
dying and our little team came through a slum in Cambodia and finally found him and uh, there with his wife and uh, and so he was unconscious and had been that way for maybe a month and so our team led the wife to Jesus and they had already begun to take up the floor in his little hut which is over a slime pit horrible place uh, you know greenish brackish horrible waters and so so there's this little floor and they took up half the floor preparing already to build his coffin because they didn't have any other wood the floor of the half the floor of the house was going to be the coffin it was just a little room so they'd been gathering the boards and they were ready and making the coffin ready to put him in it because he was just barely he was near death and finally he died and when he died one of the sisters of our church uh, decided to go and be with the, the, the woman and she got the woman to get, she, got, she, she led the person to Christ, and then they prayed together all night. The guy was resurrected, and he came up right out of, just sat right up about 5 o'clock in the morning. And, <laughs> and this thing, you can imagine what happened. You know, he, he sits up, you know, and he told this incredible story. He said he had died, he had gone, his, he was in a really dark place, and he had come to this pit, this massive uh, uh, smoking pit, and there was a guard, a huge black guard. He said, some, not, not not like a human black person, but a black, you know, giant person standing there with a book. And uh, he got to the edge of the pit, and they were going to put him in. And he, he looked. He says, "You know, you can't go in here. Your name's not written in here. You know, you can't go in. Go back." Now, it was interesting. I never thought that. <laughs> anyway, so he starts walking back. You know, and he doesn't. He's in the spirit world now. He's going back, and he sees this this uh, fork in the road. One road goes this way, one goes this way, and one was light and one was dark. And he heard a voice, and he says, "You choose." And so, the the light one looked better, so he chose the light one. And as soon as he put his foot on the light road, he reappeared in his body, came back. And then we explained to him what the light was, <laughs> who he was, and then he became a pastor, and for many, many years pastored and, and led. Isn't that amazing? I never get tired of that story. I have, I have uh, two, two uh, favorite, favorite stories like that. And the other story is uh, the one in India with that guy when we were there, and he, he stood up, and we have these missionaries going out all across the land, you know, and... And so we send them into the darkest places where there, nobody is a Christian, Muslim areas, Hindu areas, and places, you know. And so he's out there, and for six months he couldn't lead anybody to the Lord. I mean, it's a, these people never heard of Jesus. I mean, they, this is this whole area of sections where actually, uh, uh, I don't know how many million of calculated. I think it was, uh, Taylor, maybe you can help me. I think it was like 200 million people or something like that in India have ever, never even heard the name Jesus. They have no idea, right? So... He's out there in this population of people like that, right? And, and most of them are Muslim or strong Hindu, but in his area, I think it was Muslim. And no converts, nothing, right? And so one of them in the village, as he's preaching, speaking out in this village, he just says, uh, starts talking about Jesus, you know, and this resurrection from the dead. So the guy brings his dead relative, a woman, puts him at his feet. Okay, if Jesus raises from the dead, how about this? <laughs> Which... Uh, I think caused him to swallow a little bit hard there. <laughs> but he said, okay, and he prays for the woman, and she resurrected from the dead. And when she did, there was no problem leading people to the Lord in that whole region. No problem. 
whatsoever, right? So um, anyway, uh, these uh, stories in the world we live in are not so far away anymore. Matter of fact, the Bible is becoming more and more real as the Lord begins to encounter. And even in our own area of the world, uh, there's just so many uh, remarkable things uh, that are going on with regard to, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, we're getting near the time of the end, the forecast of what will happen in the end. Uh, because the Bible says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, and then the end comes, and as the world, uh, more and more sections of the world become exposed, uh, we're going to see more and more phenomena like this, even in the good old USA. So I want to, again, read from John chapter 21. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter, Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, some of you know that in this story before Jesus was crucified, Peter turned a traitor and denied the Lord three times. So watch what he does. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time, gives him three times to say he loves him, right? Again. Okay. So that's cool in itself, but I just, this, this sermon is called Resurrection Love. It's not just as this powerful resurrection takes place, but I want you to get is how much Jesus loves people. How far he's willing to go with them. How far in their failures he comes and dips down there and grabs you and your callousness even when you've wandered way far away, think you could never come back or you've done the unpardonable thing or it's just been too late for me, whatever. Never, ever. Economy of God, it's like that. Never, ever. We take one step toward him. He takes 10 steps toward you. You just don't want to start taking those steps too late. If you do, first of all, what you do is you miss out on the best life you could possibly have. Because the same one that loves you this much also cares about your money. He cares about your family. He cares about your health. He's not just a one-topic God, right? I came, he said, that they might have life and have it abundantly. He meant life, everything. Fill in the blank yourself. 
But in the kingdom, we just do first things first. We connect with Jesus relationally as a friend. We love him. We're loyal to him. We seek first his kingdom. And then he says this, all things will be added to you. A lot of people don't understand that, what that all means. Matter of fact, I spent a lifetime discovering that all. How about this? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Give, he says, and I'll shake given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Kind of? No. I've been exploring that scripture more than ever. You cannot outgive God and your time, your energy, your effort. You cannot. Give as much as you can to him. See what happens. It comes back on your head in every way. This season for many churches that I know, including us, has been the greatest season financially we have ever had. (laughs) We just kept our giving. We kept our sowing. We kept our normal Christian life. Why? Because he works. Because he works. Because he's not a machine. He loves you. Everything that's important to you is important to him. And what shouldn't be important to you, he gently takes your knuckles and hands off of and says, why don't you let go of that for a minute and try this? It's much easier. (laughs) He knows a little bit about life. He created life. That's why the doctrine of creator is so important. If he didn't make the whole thing, then how would he know how it ticks? How would he know how to bless you? How would he know what makes you happy? He made you. That's why you have to believe in his creator. It's a doctrinal issue, but it's more a life issue. If he made you, if he's responsible for you, if he knew you from before the beginning of time, then he also knows how to take care of you. He knows how to make you happy. The thing is, in the very beginning, they didn't know that. They thought, well, this other thing will make me happy. And they found out it really didn't because the creator made it work in a certain way. If you'll work with him in that way, in the ways he said, you're going to get blessed. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. (laughs) Peter thinks about that. Okay, I'm going to follow you, but like, what about this guy? Turn to John. <laughs> and he, she just looks at him like a good day. He says, well, <laughs> he says, what about, about him? Jesus looks, you know, if I want him to remain live until I return, what's that to you? You follow me. Right? <laughs> so he's like a dad. Right? He knows the best. He puts the discipline in just the right spaces. But he's giving Peter a chance to come back. He denied him three times. Now I get some time to say I love you three times. And then it's done. Just like you did with Thomas. Hey, Thomas, I'm back. Here, just put your hand right here. It's okay. We're good now. <laughs> oh, I love this. And Jesus restores us to the place of our deepest shame. So if you look at your outline, the very last point there, we carry the love and power of the resurrected Christ. He puts us in charge of his lost and found apartment. How many know Jesus has a lost and found apartment? Some of your relatives or friends are in the lost and found apartment. They're lost. They need to be found, right? That's why Jesus said to go therefore and make disciples of the nations. He entrusted this with us, the people in this room, many of us. He trusted this task to us. Not only do you need to get in and walk with God, but you have a task, something to do, and that is to lead as many people as possible to Christ before they die. 
It's so important. And leading people to Christ is not that complicated. Just tell them your testimony, what a mess you were, or what you experienced, and they'll listen. That's it. You don't have to be much more dramatic than that, and then give them Jesus. Matter of fact, when Jesus was out there feeding people, you know, disciples said, man, we don't have enough money to buy food for all these people. He said, you give them something to eat. So they had just a few loaves, and he began to multiply it in their hand. And that's a story for all of us. You don't have to be a genius to share Jesus with other people. Just tell them your life, whatever you know. And guess what Jesus will do? He'll multiply that, and he'll help them. And he put us in charge of this department. Could you imagine people as unfaithful as us? We're in charge. <laughs> We're the ones that are responsible for sharing the gospel. Occasionally, Jesus will appear in a dramatic way, some part of the world or whatever, but pretty much it's just you and I sharing the gospel because we're in charge of, of that department. That's what he gave us. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations. But while we're doing it, it's so important to grasp the overwhelming God, love God has for his people and for those who haven't yet joined the family. This is so important for us because if you know Jesus and you've been loved by him, then testifying about him is simple. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be theologically correct. You just say, well, this is what Jesus did for me. This is my experience, right? All world events are used by God for a great harvest. This means increase for God's people, not decrease. Even when the world is being disciplined, we experience more grace. And I want to prove it to you. We're about to be done here. These passages of Scripture are some most dramatic, wonderful promises to us, especially for a nation that's experiencing major changes, a world that's experiencing major changes, the virus and all the rest of it, right? So here's the thing. We're in this environment, and we're experiencing the ups and downs. People have lost jobs. People know where they're going to find homes. Housing's a problem. Uh, the homeless, all the issues. But here is the promise, meanwhile, for God's people. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So I don't care what's going on to everybody else, but for, the, for believers, we have a different reality going on, right? Mary shouldn't have been touching Jesus, but she had a different reality going. She was linked. She was loved. She was in his place. And you know what? <clears throat> Love covers a multitude of sins, and ours too. Jesus intensely loves his church and his people, not because they're perfect, but because they're covered. They took his free gift. They did it in weakness, and they walk with God. So God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he knew about you before you even came. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That means he's going to make you look like him. You're going to start walking and acting like him. That's why you're qualified to lead other people to the Lord. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Hey, if Taylor can do it, anybody can do it. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this reality, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So that's why we're not as depressed as all the rest of the people. That's why we do weird stuff. That's why we're not frightened, you know, the, the, the things that the world's frightened with. I think we need to take precaution and care. We understand that. Even the Bible says that. But still, we don't tick the same way. We literally walk to the beat of a different drummer. We are weird. <laughs> but in a good way. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, allowed him to die a hideous death on the cross, so that you could be reconciled with him. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? How many things? All things. So this job you're looking for, this family you're looking for, this marriage you're looking for, all things, it's in the mix. It's there for you. There's no quibbling here. Not a spoiled sport, not a religious like uh, strict zealot like the, the Pharisees around him. He's the God of all life. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He likes fishing evidently. <laughs> and I know he loves the angels. The ones up the road and the ones up there, right? They did pretty good last night, by the way. And the Dodgers. He likes them too. Maybe quite as much, not as much, well, maybe. I don't want to start a war in here. Anyway, <laughs> he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Even when you screw up, Thomas messed up. And I don't know why the Raiders of the Lost Ark thing didn't work on, what's her name? When she touched Jesus, Mary, I mean, you think, but she messed up, but it's okay. Thomas messed up. Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's what we're going to do well, guys. Jesus Christ is in the throne room praying for all of us. As far as I know, his prayers get answered pretty well. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, is it written? For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor COVID, <laughs> neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, Neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. My, my. These passages are so amazing. So all world events are used by God for greater purposes, including the most amazing harvest. If you thought harvesting was good before, wait and see what happens to your friends and neighbors and all around and around the world. This means increase for God's people, not geek. Decrease. Even when the world's being disciplined, we experience more grace. So, how does that happen in our life? You've got to make sure that you don't buy into the lies, deceptions, the t absolute terror of the rest of the world. You can't buy into that. You don't need to buy into that. So, because we're literally walking to the beat of a different drummer. And tragedies like this. We experience more, not less. Could you just put that? You know what you should do? You should go home and write that above your door. If you've been terrified, just put more, not less. Oh, no, that's just the super spiritual areas. Just more church, not less. No, no, no. Not more meetings. No, more in your life. What's more and what's important to you? What, what's more? What, what is it that you want? What would you like to see in your life? More of that, not less. That's what we're at. 
in this time because of resurrection, love. In this hour, resurrection, power, and restoration are operating at full throttle. (laughs) Wherever you've been cut back, expect more. It's only a pruning. When you cut back a bush, what do you expect? More. Man, I cut this tree down, back, almost down in my, from my yard uh, a few months ago. The thing's exploding again. It's taking over everything again. It's only a pruning for God's people to be more, even more fruitful in every way. Things that we thought were dead are already breathing in life again in this new season. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. So, when we pray, prayer is not a religious exercise. Prayer is a connection to bring heaven to earth. So, what I would like to do as we leave today, we've got lots of food, lots of things to do. If you need to scurry off with relatives, fine, that's okay. But we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is this connection with the Lord in light of what Jesus did for us on the cross that causes things to break through, right? It's our lifeline to the Lord. So if you can say it in the name of Jesus in faith, you can have it. And I just think you should do a lot of that these days. And so here we are in the room where this little crossroads, right? Here. And I'd just like to give an opportunity for you uh, to say yes to the Lord to pray about whatever it is that you're concerned about, okay? So in this moment, it's just going to be a couple of minutes. John, do you want to do a little worship? Why don't we do that? Why don't you just come for a minute? I'm going to, uh, I'd like any of you that would like to, uh, to pause after we pray, all right? So we're going to do some worship, and as he's singing and doing this worship, you can leave if you like, or just stay in a moment and rest. And if you're too hungry and you got to go, just go out to the up there. <laughs> it's okay. No problem. There's perfect freedom. But I, I wanted to give a moment for anyone that would like to just stay a little bit longer than the prayer I'm going to do now. But even if you can only do this little simple thing, I want you to dial in your mind, if something was to be resurrected, if something was to happen in your life as we're standing here at Easter, what would it be? What would be the most amazing thing you could imagine happen? I want you got in your mind. Some of you is, I want to be married. Some of you, I need a new job. Some of you, I need my aunt to be healed. Some of you, I need to get in that school. Some of you, I need direction. Some of you, I need a new place to live. Some of you, I need a place. Somebody, I want my, and you fill in the blank back. I, I need, I lost something. So let's just reach into Jesus' lost and found apartment, okay? And I just want to take a moment. And I'm going to pray with you, okay? I'm going to pray. Are you, are you dialing that in? I can't imagine that someone in this room has nothing to pray about. Maybe you've never taken a chance on God. It would be just like Him if you took a chance with Him to answer that prayer for you, to help you along. Right? And for you that have known the Lord a long time, Don't take it for granted. And I don't care if you've prayed over this thing 5,000 times. 5,001 might be the right time for the answer. 
That's why Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. I can feel a doorway in the Spirit here, just in this room at this moment. It's Easter Sunday, for heaven's sake. Ask big. And I'm going to give you a moment to do that. And that for some of you that would like to stay here in the auditorium and just meditate and sit down, we'll just have a little bit more worship and you can stay with us. And if you need to leave or want to leave and get out to that food and get your kids, which you probably need to do, especially with kids, don't wait too long. (laughs) Pray as you walk. (laughs) But, But I want to just pray here for a moment with you, okay? Are you dialed in now? What is it? Maybe there's five things. Maybe you got a laundry list. I don't know. What is it? Shouldn't be too hard to think. Most of us have lots of things that we'd like to see changed. So Jesus, we all here together pray over that one thing. Maybe it's two things that we would really like to see. Thank you for the access. We come boldly before a great throne room of grace through the blood of Jesus and the love of the Father. And on this Easter Sunday, hear, O God, our prayer. Hear, O God, answer us. We prayed this prayer on Easter Sunday, 2021. Breakthrough, Lord. Breakthrough. Let him know. Just pour out your heart. I want a, I need, have mercy. such and such repair I need a job I need to know you Jesus I don't know how to get started if that's you and you're in another place I can talk to you after the service or you can just come and see me on Wednesday right here in the sanctuary 630 just feel the prayers of the saints going up. It's just like <laughs> nothing like a room full of prayer. And if the church ever prayed in the United States of America, I assure you, it's now. Things that we thought were dead, I declare, are breathing in life again. I declare things that we thought lost are being found just because we have just because we have it's a holy room right now prayers of the saints are going up causing amazing business to happen stay here and worship. And if you'd like to just pause and pray some more and just take a moment with Jesus, feel free. If you need to get your kids or go outside, you can just quietly leave and we'd appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you outside.
join us. We have a great time for the children, all kinds of play areas and fun. If you just like to stay during this song, just sit down where you are or just meditate for a moment, feel free as we just sing this last song before we formally dismiss.